And right now, as we speak, the Middle East is exploding. I told you two Sundays ago it's going to continue to explode. It is a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. I'm getting some feedback up here, Steve. Amen. It's going to continue to explode. Uh, it's going to continue to be surrounded in and embroiled in war. The Bible predicts these things, but I think nothing predicts what's happening now in the Middle East more than Ezekiel chapters 37, 38, and 39. And what I want to do today is I'm going to talk to you about what I'm just going to call the Ezekiel War. The Ezekiel War. And we're going to read one verse out of chapter 37 as we stand, and then we're going to be seated and we'll finish it then. Ezekiel 37 and verse 21. And let's see what the Bible says about what is happening in the Middle East. What is going on in Lebanon? Why this warfare between the Arabs and the Jews? Did God really predict this? Well, let's see what the Word says. Ezekiel 37, verse 21. Then say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations, wherever they have gone, and I will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. And I will make them, everybody say it with me, one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. Now quickly, I told you two weeks ago that Jesus predicted that the Jewish people would be scattered all over the earth. He told them that because you've rejected Messiah, this entire city is going to be leveled and you will be scattered. We know that 70 years after he predicted that, the Roman army came down and leveled the temple, leveled Jerusalem. A million Jews were slaughtered, and the Jewish people were scattered over the face of the earth. There has never been a more persecuted, maligned, attacked, ridiculed, abused people than the Jewish people in all of history. Not another race has had it worse than the Jewish people. And here Ezekiel is predicting now that after 20 centuries, they would be gathered into their own land again and would become what? One nation. In 1948, that happened. And we're going to talk about what the Bible says will happen to them now that they become a nation again. And that's where we're going to pick this up today. Father, thank you for your word. And we pray that you will make us to be a wise people, an illuminated people a people of understanding who know what is happening in the world and, Lord, can share with others that what we are seeing taking place is the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. And we thank you for your word today, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him this is going to make you a better witness. Praise God. I want to clarify a couple of things for those of you who may be new to the faith, new to the things of God that there are two meanings for the word prophecy. There's really prophesy, prophecy. If somebody is prophesying, it, it can mean that they're declaring the truth. Right now, I am prophesying to you. I'm declaring the truth. That's one of the meanings of prophecy. But most of us, when we hear the word prophecy, we think of predicting the future. And the only one who can do that is God Almighty, who knows the end from the beginning who declares a thing to be before it ever is. 
See, God knew the day you were going to be born. He knows right now the day you will die. He knew what your character was going to be, your makeup was going to be. He knew what you were going to do with your life. He knew when you were going to come to Christ. He knows everything. He is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, and he's everywhere at once. And only God can can predict the future with 100% accuracy. Now, the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Habakkuk, the, the major, minor prophets, all predicted the future. I think one of the greatest confirmations that you're holding in your hand, the Word of God, is the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Even the prophecies that came about Jesus Christ that were fulfilled perfectly are one of the greatest testimonies that this is the Word of God because it didn't miss 100% accuracy. Now, Ezekiel, 2,600 years ago, predicted things about our day. He predicted that nations would exist that didn't exist in his time. He predicted the appearance of nations and their character and what they would do, particularly what they would do against the land of Israel. And that's where Ezekiel is going in Ezekiel 37, 38, and 39. In Ezekiel 37, he predicts that Israel would be a nation again. In 1948, that came to pass. And when Israel became a nation again, Ezekiel 37 was fulfilled. God said right there 2,600 years ago, I'm going to draw you out of the nations of the world where you have been scattered, and you're going to be a nation again. In 1948, when they declared themselves a nation It was an incredible fulfillment of Bible prophecy, and every prophecy scholar had a benefit. You know what a benefit is. You can have a fear fit, a worry fit. You might as well just go ahead and have a benefit. You know what a benefit is? You jump up and you rejoice and you give God the glory. I mean, you can have a worry fit if you want to. You can have a fear fit if you want to. You can have an anger fit if you want to. But as a believer, you might as well go ahead and have a benefit. Now, when we saw Israel become a nation again in 48, we had a benefit because this was God's predictions coming to pass. Now, let me read again. Ezekiel said, Thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations, wherever they have gone, and will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land, and I will make them one nation in the land. Now, Ezekiel went on to predict in Ezekiel 38, that following their rebirth as a nation, there would be an invasion of Israel from an enemy from the uttermost north on the globe, on the map. Now, this is what we're going to look at. And you're going to have to put your thinking caps on because I'm going to name some nations. When I name them, it's going to sound like something out of Steven Spielberg. But stay with me because I'm going to tell you what the nations he names, who they are today. And we're going to see that prophecy is lining up in our day in such an incredible way that you ought to be walking around with your head looking up towards heaven saying, my redemption draws near. My redemption draws near. Now, in Ezekiel 38, here's what God says. Now the word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, set your face against, now here they come, Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him. So here we got five of them, Gog, Magog, Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. Well, who in the world 
are they? Well, we'll look at it in a minute, but listen to what God says. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I'm against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I'm going to turn you around. I'm going to put hooks in your jaws. And I'm going to lead you out with all your army. In the latter years is when it's going to take place. In the last days. You will come into the land of those who brought, who, who brought back from the sword, who are brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel. Notice this army is going to be brought against Israel once they have been regathered from many nations on the mountains of Israel. You will ascend, he says to these people, coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud, you and all your troops, and many people with you. Now, what makes them do this? God says this, on that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind and you will concoct or hatch or scheme an evil plan. And what is the plan? To take plunder, to take spoil, to take riches. There's going to be a motive for these people attacking Israel. Riches, plunder, spoil, greed. Now, watch this. A massive army whose leader is to the uttermost north is going to invade Israel in the last days following Israel's rebirth as a nation. No doubt about it. It's going to happen. I tell Kathy all the time, we get up in the morning, go in there and turn on the TV, and I want to know just how far this thing has gone. Because when you watch the news, you might as well read Ezekiel 38. When you watch the news in our day, right now, this morning, before we walked out, I watched it, and I saw so many of the players, so much of what Ezekiel predicted happening right in front of my eyes. And I said, I've got to preach this. It's not usually a Sunday morning message, but I want my people, I want this church to understand what's going on prophetically because this is a prophetic day. It is an incredible day. It's like watching a meteorite shower that is seen once every thousand years. It's like being able to catch the aurora borealis. It's like seeing something incredible happening in front of your eyes. Fulfillment of prophecy. Now we know for a fact that the war that Ezekiel is describing has never happened in history. All you got to do is scan history, the nations we're about to look at, the people involved. There is no question it's never happened. It is lining up to happen right now. Now, who is this army? Ezekiel 38, verse 2, once again, Son of man, set your face against Gog, Magog, Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Well, who is Gog? Who is Gog? Gog refers to a ruler, and it means, the word means roof or the one on top, and it therefore refers to the leader of a nation. It is the leader of a nation. So he announces, or when he addresses Gog, he's addressing the leader of a nation. Magog, Magog is the Hebrew word is Rosh, which means head or chief. Ezekiel tells us that this is a nation of people that we know today as Russia. There is no land of the uttermost north but Russia. So he is saying Gog, the leader of Russia, and Magog, the land mass of Russia. 
Ezekiel tells us that the leader of Russia, Gog, is also the chief prince or ruler over the land masses that comprise Meshach and Tubal. In other words, the names Magog, Meshach, and Tubal identify a unified army under one Russian leader. Then what is Meshach? Meshach is thought to refer to the area around Moscow. The original name for the nation of Russia was Muscovy, and their kings were called the Muscovite dynasty. So Meshach is pointing to Moscow. Tubal. Some evidence indicates the descendants of Tubal in Genesis 10, you can find them mentioned, settled around Tobolsk, which doesn't mean a lot to us here today, in Siberia and northern Russia. And other evidence indicates they may have settled in eastern Turkey. The whole idea of Meshach and Tubal is they are included in the landmass of Russia. So Ezekiel first points to the uttermost north and says from the uttermost north, there is going to come one day a conspiracy of nations, a confederacy of nations who are going to come together and attack Israel in a terrible attack to wipe them off the face of the earth. So first, Ezekiel identifies Gog of the land of Magog with Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, all Russian lands. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. Don't be deceived. Russia has been hugely involved in helping Iran obtain nuclear material and what they need to come up with nuclear weaponry. They are hugely involved. Ten years ago, 15 years ago, all this talk about Russia going democratic, we who knew Bible prophecy knew that was not possible, that they would stay that way. Because the Word of God clearly shows them as an enemy of God and an enemy of His people. Now, that doesn't mean you don't love the Russian people, but the system, the government, the land that will come against Israel one day, God says, I'm against you, O Gog. Now, the only time the Bible says that God is against a nation is because of some evil that the nation has done in the past against God or God's people. But Russia, Moscow, and eastern Turkey didn't even exist in Ezekiel's day. So here you've got the prophet of God seeing a nation forming that didn't even exist and knowing the character attributes of that nation and saying, I tell you, God is against you. Now, why would God be against Magog? Well, probably because of their philosophy, which is atheistic. And Hitler killed 6 million Jews, but the Soviets killed 60 million Jews in 70 years, and they also killed 15 million Christians. Their philosophy has been anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-religion, anti-anything but worship of the state. God says, I'm against you, O Gog. I'm against you. Now, Ezekiel also predicts that Russia is going to have allies. It's not just going to be Russia. But what about the allies? Who are they? Well, verse 5 gives them to us. Persia, Cush, and Put are with them. Well, all we need to know is who was Persia and Cush and Put? What land masses did they, were they in Ezekiel's day? What land masses did they comprise? These names, Persia, Cush, and Put, comprise a southern block of Islamic nations. Let's start with the first one we all know. Persia, ancient Persia was Iran, the landmass of Iran. 
In fact, Iran was called Persia until 1935 when it was changed to Iran and then to the Islamic Republic of Iran in 1979 during the Iranian Revolution. It's no secret to anybody watching the news that Iran is the arch enemy of Israel and of the West, which includes us. They are doing everything they can to obtain nuclear weaponry. Were they to get it, the first one will be dropped on Israel, the second one likely here. To them, take Israel out, we've got the Middle East, take America out, and we've got those who are standing with Israel. Remember, I told you that Islam teaches conquering the world, taking over the world. Let's get off of this cotton candy stuff about Islam. Read the Quran, and it will tell you clearly that Muhammad taught that Islam should take over the world. And that's what's on radical Islam's mind. They are the world's largest supporter of radical Islamic terrorism as we speak. Just this week, Iran's president once again made his intentions clear. He said to clear up the Middle Eastern mess, Israel must be totally wiped out. But I'm going to tell you, God hears those words. God hears those words. Iran is actively working to persuade other Arab countries to change camps, to switch to their side and no longer cooperate with the United States and Israel in any way. Watch Iran and watch the nations I'm about to name because one day they will together attack Israel in a huge, massive attack by a giant army. The landmass of the ancient Persian Empire also included not just Iran, but what today we would know as West Pakistan, Afghanistan, Cyprus, Jordan, Lebanon, Syria, and Iraq. So, Pastor Jeff, are all those with them? Not fully, but they will be. They will be. Say, well, what about Iraq? You know, you don't know what's going to happen in the world tomorrow. Here's what I can tell you. Let God be true and every man a liar. 30 years ago when I first taught this, so much of what we see now wasn't there then. And now it's all lined up. So I'm telling you, the word of the Lord endureth forever. What this book tells you is going to happen is what we're going to see take place. And I believe we will see a lot of this in our day. Now he goes on and he names two others real quickly. Cush. Cush comprised Ethiopia, Somalia, and Sudan. And Put was Libya and Egypt. So here are these cooperating nations, but that's not all of them. Now he moves to some European allies, and he names these, Gomer and all its troops, and that's not Gomer Pyle. <laughs> Gomer and all its troops, and the house of Togarma from the far north. Well, what in the world was Gomer? Gomer refers to an ancient people called the Akkadians or the Sumerians of the Rhine and Danube river, river valleys of Eastern Europe. The land they occupied would be known today as Eastern Germany and former Soviet nations like Albania, Poland, and Hungary. Ezekiel named them. He tagged them. And he said, they will be involved. Those living in that land mass... When this happens, we'll be involved. Togarma comprises Latvia, Lithuania, Armenia. The Armenians still refer to themselves today as the house of Togarma. Now he says all of these nations, 
are going to come together. He says an evil theme is going to be hatched in their minds. They will be talking, and I believe the talking is already going on right now. I believe they have already discussed these things. We're, in just a minute, we're going to see why Russia wants Israel and the Middle East. But the Arabs want it too. They want the Jews gone so they can dominate and control the entire area. They see the Jews as, as squatters. They're in a place where they should not be. And, and so they want to see them gone. And an evil thought is going to come into the minds of those of the uttermost north and these places that we name, these nations. And they're going to agree together. They're going to hatch an evil plan. And they're going to say, let us all come together. And in one fell swoop, we will come down against the land of Israel. And in a flash, we will wipe them out. We'll get what we want and you'll get what you want. It'll be, we, we will both have our motives and we'll both get what we want. But what they don't know is that God is going to undertake for Israel. God is going to stand up for Israel. And this is what we're about to see in Ezekiel. So if you're with me, say amen. amen. Finally, Ezekiel identifies a cluster of observing nations. Now listen carefully to me. As this invasion develops, a few countries will make a lame protest. This isn't hard to believe when you look at the indifference most nations display as Israel is repeatedly attacked by terrorists as far as I'm concerned, and I'm not being political up here, but I'm going to tell you what I think about this. The UN, we could leave tomorrow and not miss a thing. Because the UN isn't standing up for us. And every time Israel is attacked, they stand with the terrorists and not with Israel. Uh, we're, we're providing more money to them than any nation on earth, but they don't stand with us. To me, they have become a socialistic, uh, pro-Arab that is pro-terrorist organization that to me, if we announce today we're moving out, I would have a benefit. Amen. All right. But now, there's going to be a group of nations who are going to say to these invading nations, what do you think you're doing? And here Ezekiel names them. He says in Ezekiel 38 verse 13, Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish with all its young lions will say to you, have you come to capture spoil? Have you assembled your company to seize plunder, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to capture great spoil? In other words, what do you think you're doing? Well then, who's Sheba, who's Dedan, and who's the merchants of Tarshish? Here we go real quickly. Sheba is Yemen, Yemen. Dedan was the ancient capital of Saudi Arabia, who to this day are very moderate because they have ties with us and we have ties with them. They have not come right out openly and stood with terrorists. And the Bible says right here that Dedan, Saudi Arabia, will be one of the mildly protesting nations. Tarshish, listen carefully, originally this was a city-state on the coast of Spain used by the Phoenicians as a trading center, a trading post. And it came to be used by England in the same way. So the Phoenicians and England were merchants who used Tarshish as a trading center. So Ezekiel calls them merchants of Tarshish. Now you know that the symbol of England is a lion. It's a lion. Now Ezekiel says, identifies the merchants of Tarshish when we know that England was one of them. The lion is the symbol. And then he says, 
and the young lions from them. Well, we're from them. We're from England. So we are, in essence, one of the young lions that sprang from England. And we will be one of the ones who offer some kind of a protest to this invasion of Israel. He names us. And you know that Ezekiel 38, 13 is the only place in the entire Bible that has anything to do remotely with the United States of America. There's not another place that names us. I've looked. I wanted to find us. Where are we? We're this huge, mighty nation, mightiest nation on earth. Well, you know, we're among the the Gentile nations and all these general terms. But as far as being specifically tagged by the Bible and by Bible prophecy, we're not there except for this sort of aside reference to the merchants of Tarshish and the young lions that came from these merchants of Tarshish. Well, that's not fair, Pastor Jeff. I want to be mentioned. Well, your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're mentioned. (laughs) So Ezekiel saw Britain, Spain, the United States, and Canada offering a protest to the awesome invasion of Israel. Now, why will Russia invade Israel? What is going to be Russia's motive? Let me go through it quickly. God says, I'm going to put hooks into your jaws. He says, I'm going to entice you. You're going to have motives for doing it. God says he will be the one to draw this army to battle against Israel by using hooks to compel them into battle. What are the baited hooks? Well, the first reason God gives for the invasion of Ezekiel 38 is the desire by the coalition to cover the Jewish land with an army and wipe them off the face of the earth. Urged on by hatred of the Jewish people, they will seek to destroy them and the nation of Israel utterly. Every time the Iranian president opens up his mouth and says, I want them wiped out, I don't want them to exist anymore, I want them to be a grease spot on the map, he is fulfilling Ezekiel's prediction. This is the stated goal today, the total annihilation of Israel of virtually every Islamic nation in the Middle East. They don't want to live side by side with Israel. That is baloney. They want Israel gone Gone. The only nations not currently in a declared state of war with Israel are Egypt, Turkey, and Jordan. Yet they would be glad, happy to see Israel eliminated if presented with a willing leader and an opportunity to rid the Middle East of Islam's arch enemy. And they will find that leader in the leader of Russia and I believe also the leader of Iran. The second reason that Russia will do this is Russia has always needed and desired a warm water port operational year-round, and Israel is the land bridge between Africa and Europe. A third reason is the control of world oil. All nations of the world need the oil from the Arab countries of the Middle East. Oil is either shipped through the Suez Canal or it flows by pipeline through Israel to ships in the Mediterranean Sea. To, To seize Israel is to seize control of oil. There's a fourth reason a lot of people don't know anything about. A fourth reason is the Dead Sea and the minerals in the Dead Sea. Russia is a poor nation with poor farming. They desperately need chemicals to make fertilizers. Well, the Dead Sea area contains the following. Two million tons of potassium chloride potash, 
22 billion tons of magnesium chloride, 12 billion tons of sodium chloride, 6 billion tons of calcium chloride, and metals like cerium, cobalt, and manganese, and gold. We will say to them, why have you attacked them to take a spoil, to get riches? Why have you attacked them out of greed? We will know what their motive was. God tells us that they come to seize plunder and to capture great spoil. Many verses in the Quran, don't kid yourself, advocate plundering for the benefit of Islam. And there are several instances of this war tactic throughout the history of Muhammad's life. It's a common theme in his teachings. Plunder and take spoil. What is the response of these observing nations? They just question the war because they feel some of the repercussions of it physically and economically and that's it. Now when this coalition of nations comes down against Israel, I want you to imagine it now. God has already said, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I give you the land. God has already said, I called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees to make out of him a great nation and out of that nation is going to come the Messiah. Jesus was a Jew. Salvation is of the Jews. We got saved through a Jewish Messiah. This vitriol, and I told you this two weeks ago, this venom, this hatred, this antipathy, this ferocity that is directed towards Israel is not naturally explainable. It comes from deep, deep waters. It is spiritual at its root. They want Isaac and his offspring eliminated. And so there's going to come this attack. Now, I've often said, when somebody attacks you as a believer, they attack him. If you're the child of God, if you're a child of God, son of God, daughter of God, and somebody really comes against you, you give your enemy to God because God sees it. And God will stick up for you. God will stand for you. Listen, God's going to stand for his people. This is one of the most dramatic parts of this whole prophecy of Ezekiel. Are you ready for me to go on? When this coalition of nations comes down against Israel, here's what the Bible says in Ezekiel. It shall come to pass at the same time when Gog comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord, that my fury will show in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath I have spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel and all men on the face of the earth will shake at my presence. Verse 22 of chapter 38 begins to delineate for us what God's going to pour out. It tells us there's going to be plagues, torrents of rain, hailstones, and burning sulfur. It reminds you of Sodom and Gomorrah. Just as God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah, he will destroy these invading forces. The Bible says that these Arab, th th these Arab uh, armies with the Russian armies will be totally annihilated on the field of battle. God is going to stand up for his people and something supernatural is going to happen that all the world will see. Amen. Listen, God's going to make it known to all the nations that he is the Lord. And he's going to give the nations proof that he is the Holy One of Israel. Now, Zechariah jumped in on this vein about Jerusalem and Israel being attacked. And here's what Zechariah prophesied. On the big day, I'll make a clean sweep of all the godless nations that fought against Jerusalem. 
And then he says this, this will be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the peoples who have gone to war against Jerusalem. Now, understand before I read this, this is a man that lived 2,600 years ago. He did not know modern warfare. He did not know uh, atom bombs. He, did, he, he, he knew bows and arrows and horses and spears and swords. So he's seeing something just like John did in the Revelation. So many times in the Revelation, John is searching for words to describe what he's seeing. And Ezekiel here, he's searching for words, and all he can say is, here's what I see. Their flesh will dissolve while they stand on their feet. Their eyes will dissolve in their sockets, and their tongue will dissolve in their mouth. He is seeing an army of people standing there, and something so incredible happens, so ferocious, so massive, that before their corpses can hit the ground, there's no more skin on the bones, no more eyes in the sockets, no more tongue in the mouth. That is a clear ancient description of a thermonuclear blast, I'm going to tell you, we will probably, unless we get raptured out of here, we will see a thermonuclear blast, at least in the Middle East, because that is, unless God somehow just does this himself, there will be a blast. That's what this is. That's what an atomic blast does. It just takes you away. You are vaporized before you have a chance to say, Jesus. And here he's got these people, shoot, a skeletal frame hits the ground. No bow did that. No arrow did that. No spear. He's seeing something incredible. Now, since Russia has been helping Iran build a string of reactors that can produce weapons-grade nuclear energy, and since Iran has recently taken a very hard line against Israel, we may be witnessing the build-up to this coming battle with our very eyes. Now, there is a reason for all this. You know, God is redemptive in everything that he does. You say, wow, Pastor Jeff, that's heavy stuff. Just go ahead and say it, because it is. That's heavy stuff. It is. This is so, you know what I said? I'm looking. My redemption draws nigh. Remember, Jesus said, unless those days have been shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. <clears throat> there is God always, anything he does, it's redemptive. So why is this terrible crisis going to happen in the Middle East? God says, I'm going to deal with the family of David and those who live in Jerusalem. In other words, the Jewish people. Here's a quote from Ezekiel. I'll pour a spirit of grace and prayer over them. They'll then be able to recognize me as the one they so grievously wounded. That piercing spear thrust, they'll weep. Oh, how they'll weep. Deep mourning as of a parent grieving the loss of the firstborn child. The lamentation in Jerusalem that day will be massive. When God intervenes and the armies that gathered against Israel are literally wiped out and slaughtered and taken off and destroyed by God, Israel is going to do this. <gasps> Jesus was the Messiah. And they will look on him whom they pierced. And they're going to start mourning and wailing. And what's going to happen is God's going to use this catastrophic tragedy to bring revival to the Jewish people. And they're going to begin to repent and come to the Messiah in mass. And it's a good thing they do because this war against Israel will pave the way for the Antichrist's military rule over the world and his demand that the world worship him as God. Here's what's going to happen. That last war, that war that I just described to you is the final jihad. It's the last jihad. Islam will be destroyed. 
Now, with Islam defeated and the Christian church raptured, opposition to worshiping a man as God is going to be hugely reduced. Those who are left would have no army with which to mount a protest against Antichrist when he walks into the rebuilt temple and goes into the Holy of Holies and sits down and says, I am God. That is the abomination of desolation. And that is what the Scripture predicted. And when he says that, all of hell breaks loose all over the world. And the battle of Armageddon, the worst war the world has ever seen, will then gallop towards history. But now, here's the deal. Say, what do I do with all this as a Christian? Well, here's what you do. First of all, walk close with Jesus. Second thing you do, use this as a witnessing tool. Everybody's asking, what is this in the Middle East? What is going on in the Middle East? Is this prophecy? What is this all about? I'm amazed at the shallow understanding of the media. Bless their hearts. They stand with the terrorists. They, they stand on the wrong side of the issue almost every time. So we need to be telling people God predicted this. And there is going to be a huge attack against Israel. It's going to happen as sure as we sit here today. Russia will be involved as sure as you're sitting there. You can expect to watch Russia go further and further away from democracy and from America and to get closer and closer to Iran and Arab allies. It's going to happen. It is happening. In the meantime, Jesus said, look out on the field. It's white for harvest. Win souls. Walk with me. Bring forth spiritual fruit because one day the trumpet's going to blow. And just like that. People say, man, Pastor Jeff, this sounds like the Raiders of the Lost Ark or something. No. I want you to notice the nations I named are already lined up. And they already hate Israel. And we know that they want to destroy them just like Ezekiel said. So let's stand together, can we? Well, though it was sobering, how many of y'all needed that today? I want you to understand what's going on in this world through the lens of prophecy. And right now we're going to worship as Steve makes his way up. We're going to worship the Lord. And I want us to get our hearts right. I'm telling you, a prophecy came to me yesterday, and I believe it was the Lord. Thousands are coming. You get out there and you tell people. You bring lost people to church. And we're going to do our part. Now, somebody said to me after the first service, they said, well, I was going to start my own business, but why even fool with it now? <laughs> now, here's what I want to tell you. An old man of God from a couple of centuries back said, if I knew the world were ending tomorrow, I'd plant my apple tree today. And what does that mean? Here's what it means. Live like Jesus is coming back today, but plan like he's not coming back in your life. Live your life like you might see him today, but plan your life like he may not come back in your lifetime. If you're supposed to go to school, go to school. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who said, I just thought Jesus was coming back and I didn't go to school. I'm serious. I say, you should have gone to school. <laughs> He'd have blessed you there. But, you know, live your life. You know, go on. 
but live it like he's coming back today. But make your plans like you're going to reach 100 right here. Amen? And watch the news every day. And, and remember what you